Well, hello there, it's Morgan here and welcome to today's episode. This is a brand new episode after a little bit of a break because I am currently in grad school. So (laughs) I am deep in writing papers and studying for exams and all that good stuff. And after midterms of the term that I'm currently in right now, I was like, I think I have a little bit of room to to share some new episodes. And a part of that is sharing some new conversations as well. So today I'm going to be talking with Kyle Webster. And for those of you that aren't familiar, I am a digital artist and I use a lot of digital tools, a lot of digital brushes, and all of my favorite brushes were made by Kyle. <laughs> and it was just such a, a pleasure to be able to talk with him today. And whether you're someone who considers yourself to be an artist or not, or you consider yourself to be creative or creatively curious or not creative at all, wherever you find yourself, I think that this conversation is such a good reminder of just circling back and drawing back to that place of where can I go to take a deep breath? What might be the physical tools, the literal tools that I need to be able to get there? So I think we get very practical in this episode and I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome, welcome to the show. So as we've already been talking off the recording, I was letting Kyle know just how much his work is meant to me in a very literal sense. When people ask me about making my art, I'm always they're like, oh, how do you how do you do it? Like, where what kind of brushes are you using? I'm like, I'm using Kyle Webster brushes. I was like, just look up whatever Kyle's doing, go go that direction. Like that's how that's how I started. And yeah, so it we have some really exciting stuff that I was looking forward to talking to Kyle about today. And that's what we're gonna dive into. So right now I'm just going to invite Kyle to just introduce himself and also just say why why you do what you do like how do you get where you are and why you do what you do okay um well my name is kyle webster and i love to draw full stop (laughs) i just um that's my life is is trying to find ways where i could squeeze as much drawing as possible into whatever i was doing um so that has really turned into a strange career. My career path has not been at all linear. It's bounced around. I like to think of like a pinball machine and I'm just going in all directions and trying different things. And none of it was very well planned. Um, But a little bit about me quickly. I I currently work at Adobe to try and build new drawing and painting stuff for all of you out there who like to draw and paint, including Morgan, obviously, who <laughs> I'm a fan of and have told many times that I just like in love with the floral stuff you do mm-hmm. and also just the atmospheric stuff that you do. You obviously have an amazing color sense. Color is my weakness. So anytime I see somebody who understands color, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I have to use math to use color, essentially. Like I have to use, I have to fall back on color theory stuff to even get close to what I want. Wow. Um, I have no intuitive sense of color. But anyway, um, I like to draw. So I work for Adobe. That happened because of the brushes, which which became a sort of a part of uh, the creative cloud now. 
for anybody. Um, and I still make brushes every quarter. I make about 20 to 30 brushes every quarter. Mm. And I also make them for special events and things like that. Um, and I also do a lot of education stuff. So I will do live streams several times a week. So illustration masterclasses and things to try and help people understand better how to not just draw, but maybe how to draw in a digital environment. That's what I do. Mm. Um, I'm an author. I've made, I've made apps. Uh, I, I just kind of, you know what, Morgan, I like to make stuff and all yes. of its centers usually around drawing. Yes. There you oh, go. Wow. <laughs> well, that thank you for sharing that. I just, just so inspired just even hearing how you're doing a lot of different things, but you have found this commonality in it and that this curiosity and passion for drawing. I think that's, I think it's really fascinating because I think a lot of times when you see what someone else does, it's like, how are they? Like, I, I look at what you do and I'm like, how are you able to do all of this? The amount of times where I've seen you have new brushes, I'm like, even more? I'm like, <laughs> he, ever, he hasn't run out of ideas yet. I'm like, how is this possible? I still haven't even made one brush for myself. I think I tried to make like a little sticker brush one time and that was all I did. So yeah, it's very, uh, it's very interesting that that is a, a common a common thing or was it would you say that that drawing in particular has has always been calming for you yes drawing is a meditative experience it's a meditative practice it took me forever to realize that it was that for me only in the last three four years did i suddenly hit upon this idea that after all these other things i've tried to try and really calm myself down i am a like many people who are um, you know out there being makers, uh, illustrators, artists, musicians, people, or people who also have to do things publicly, like do public speaking or be somehow in in sort of the mix with the public and presenting themselves or their work. Um, I'm a really anxious person, a lot of nervous energy, and I tried guided meditations of various sorts, and I tried traditional meditation and just trying to be like calming myself down and not thinking of anything, clear your mind, all these things. I did Tai Chi, I did yoga. I've done all these things and I continue to do a lot of these things, but it's funny how I've been doing this one thing all my life mm -hmm. that is totally effective, at least for me. And according to my friends who draw, they feel the same way. The act of simply sitting there and focusing on making marks, whether it's a piece of charcoal on paper or you know grabbing a paintbrush and just doodling around or doing it digitally if i'm using my hand to make marks and i'm just noticing what's happening in that process um everything else just kind of disappears and i'm in a happy place you know i i have a lot of uh chronic ailments of various kinds a lot of stomach stuff a lot of all kinds of problems and i can't believe it took me this long to notice that i don't notice those aches and pains and problems when I'm drawing. Mm. And it, I suddenly realized that I did. I was like, oh, wow, they're gone. Um, but it took me forever to, to really notice that. And once I did, I wanted to sort of, you know, really lean into that and pay more attention to that. So. Wow. Yeah. That, you know, you're really teaching me even sharing that because I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about I, it's like, I know that making art is calming, but mm -hmm. I hadn't even really broken down like, well, what are the parts of it though, that have always been there? So did you have, did you, I'm so curious, did you have a moment 
where you're like, oh, that's the thing? Or do you think it was just like a gradual looking back of like, this has always been here. This has been here for a while. It, the moment came for me when, so I had a few years ago, this sort of point where several of these health problems were all you know, coming to a head and, and combining to make it to where it was hard to really get through the day without being so distracted by those problems. But I still had to draw because I had to make a living and it's part of my job. And um, so I noticed then when when I really was having a lot of pain and, and problems, that's what I noticed because it, those were so much in my face all day long, but then not there when I was drawing. And it's not that I didn't notice them there when I was drawing. It's that when I stopped drawing to get up and go do something else, I suddenly was more aware of all the pain again. And I said, oh, wait a second. I just noticed it again. I must not have been noticing it before. And so then when I went back, back to resuming drawing again, um, I was able to discover that the, the focus that's in, that's necessary for that activity. And this could be, by the way, something as simple as just doodling kind of mindlessly. There's enough of a, of a focus for your mind there, even if you're able to do that while listening to somebody on the phone or maybe something's on the TV or whatever. Um, there's still enough of a kind of focus that's required that your brain has no choice but to block out some other stuff. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can be uh, physical pain or discomfort or other problems. And um, so if you really go all out and, and force yourself into that flow state, and I'm sure you've been there before, Morgan, where you ever get to a point where you're drawing or painting and you think 15 minutes have gone by, but then you look and it's an hour and a half. Yes, yes. That's like a magical experience. Yes. Like, Whoa, I was so into this. I was so into making this that I didn't even feel the passage of time. When you're in that state, like everything else is just kind of, it's pushed to the background. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, basically my goal was to try and like get to that place faster and more frequently. And um, in combining that with other mindfulness practices and things I'm sure you are, are familiar with and talked about with many other people, um, you know, of, of quieting things down and mm -hmm. drawing attention away from things that don't need to be focused on. Um, I've gotten so much better. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm dramatically, yeah, better in many ways with all this stuff, because a lot of it was simply tied to my mind, unfortunately. I mean, your brain is a very powerful thing and your, your brain could tell you to focus on minor discomforts and problems mm -hmm. and amplify them yeah into debilitating conditions essentially so um yes wow but anyway drawing helps me get away from that oh you're you're so right and it just makes me one just very encouraged hearing that you know i mean you know obviously it you know not dealing with pain is not <laughs> something that you want to go through and it, it's just the fact that you were able to find that awareness of and that connection, I think that's really valuable because it can, I, I wonder, and I wonder if you have this experience too, sometimes I get, because I'm now making art as my job, sometimes it's hard to return and remember that, oh, this is something else. There's, there's something like really human about moving my hands in this way that, that can be so hard to, to remember at times. So I, I yeah. find that I find that very fascinating. I, I would I would love to know this might be kind of a cliche question, but I 
I just want to ask it because I think about those who aren't drawing every day or or at all. What what advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who who is just like I can't draw? Like that's just like their default. <laughs> it's like they see the the iPad or the pencil doesn't matter what it is. Like I can't draw. Like, do you have anything that you would share share with someone like that? I have a lot to share about that. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about that and a lot of things that hopefully will help people with that because if if anyone out there remembers being five years old, which is might, might be tough to be remembering that something that far back, but um, you don't have to necessarily remember being five. You can look at a five-year-old today. If you hand them some markers and say, hey, you want to draw me something? There is no doubt that they will be like, yes. And they will sit down and just boom, they'll just start making and creating and drawing whatever. And whatever they draw, they are not they are not in the least bit critical of what they're drawing during the drawing, the process in the in the concepting phase, in the phase of, you know, thinking about what they're going to draw. It just flows out of them like water. And when they're finished, they're proud of what they've done and they're excited to share it with you. Mm -hmm. No judgment. Um, and this is a this is a thing that we we hear all the time when we're talking about meditation and and in any kind of mindfulness practice is to reserve judgment or push away judgment. And that's not the point of the exercise. Um, drawing when you're very young is that it's just pure expression, pure joy, um, pure creativity, and that fun that comes with making marks to try and represent what it is that's in your imagination or the people in your world or the world in which you live. Um, there's so much to deal with psychology there. You've maybe heard those stories about asking like a four-year-old to draw their family. And if a mother figure is in that family environment in which they live, regardless of who the, what the parental structure is there, like if somebody, if it's two women, two men, one, which whoever it is, if there's a person who is more with that child, spending more time with that child, engaging with them more, that person physically could be smaller in stature. Okay, but in the drawing will be the largest person in the drawing. So the child is expressing through the drawing the importance of that person simply by drawing them more larger. There's there's all kinds of fascinating stuff yeah, you can study it's... with this. Um, but anyhow, yeah. So uh, but but what happens is, and this is a normal thing with development, you get to be nine, 10, 11 years old, and you start to notice that your drawings don't look like the way you uh, envision them when you first think I'm going to draw this thing and then it doesn't look the way you expected it to look and you start to judge it and say, well, that's not good. I didn't draw that hand well. I drew that face at the wrong angle. Most mm -hmm. kids stop drawing at that point because they meet with this frustration point that prohibits them from advancing any further. There are the few who continue because either they don't care and they just like drawing <laughs> or they choose the other path, which is I'll learn. I'll take a more academic approach to this. Maybe they have a parent or another person in their life who encourages them and shows them and teaches them, and they have enough information there to continue to improve and get better, or they have encouragement from their peers. And this is the most common thing. If kids in your class tell you, you're good at drawing, or can you draw me something, or look at so-and-so, they're the best artist in the class. That builds confidence. That builds you know this, this repetition where they're going to continue drawing. Well, what happens is then, since most of us, the vast majority, stop. When we later as adults revisit the idea even of maybe drawing, a lot of times what we say to ourselves is, well, I don't have talent. 
forgetting that a lot of what art is for the most part, I would say is, is simply learning a skill, like, like picking up an instrument, learning how to play it, playing your scales. A lot of the art you admire out there in the world is simply due to the fact that people spend thousands of hours doing it and getting good at understanding light and color and all this other stuff. Right. Um, but the other thing is that they're forgetting that drawing doesn't mean representational art. Mm-hmm. Drawing just means drawing. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say to people to encourage them is um, if you were to pick up any medium and simply make some marks that you felt happy making, designs on a piece of paper, shapes, a few lines here and there, respond to what's there. Put something down. Don't just look at a blank piece of paper, but put something down and respond to it and then respond to that and then respond to that. That's all it is. It's just a conversation you're having with yourself and with the marks you're making. And at the end, whatever you've created, it doesn't matter. You're not necessarily having to frame it and put it on the wall or show it to the world. But what you've done is you've simply expressed yourself in a way that is you with your hand or some other way of doing this, but you're making an image. Stop Mm. pretending it has to be a masterpiece or that it has to represent something real in the world. It doesn't have to look like a rose or a, a building or a person. Um, that isn't the point of the exercise at all. If you can get into just the exercise itself and make that a daily habit, then you can actually get all the benefits from this that that um, everyone gets. Then that's it. That's what I'll say about it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I it's I've, I've felt like I've never drawn before. I'm like, I want to go draw. <laughs> and I draw every day and there's so, oh, there's so many things that I want to touch on for what you just shared, but you said something that was so poetic and I just loved it. And you said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it now because <laughs> I got so excited, but you said something about it's a conversation with the marks that you're making. Oh, <laughs> that is so powerful because it, the representation part I, I feel like that, and it's something similar. I talk about with poetry too. A lot of people who are like, I don't, I can't write. I can't write poetry. I'm not creative like you. And one thing I always point to is that, is that oftentimes our introduction to even moving our hand on a page was attached to a grade, whether it was drawing yeah. or writing. So a lot of people, myself included, grew up thinking, well, if I'm writing something, it is to be judged. It is to be measured according to whatever the rules are. And I do think I had a slight advantage in that I was homeschooled by an artist (laughs) who, who my mom, my mom just did every, every, every possible job you could ever think. My mom, my mom, like real estate agent, artist, like everything. So I, I had the advantage that I was encouraged at home to like, no, just make stuff. Like this isn't about a grade, but the times where I was in a more traditional school environment, I can see, oh, that stuff is still in me. It's still hard to like, no, this is not that. Like, <laughs> you know, this blank piece of paper, you're not going to get a grade on it. Like nobody's going to come in and, you know, <laughs> and yeah. mark it up. So this idea of the conversation with the marks, like, oh, that's just, oh, I could talk about that forever. But <laughs> it made me think about a, 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 a thread that I just hear and see in a lot of your work, which is this connection of of that very calming practice of drawing and then bring it into technology 
So what do you think that is about, like in in your in your practice? Because I, I was like even just reading, like you have you've done different apps before. You've you're creating brushes, like that's technical too. Like I still can't figure that out. I gotta learn how to <laughs> I gotta learn how to do that. But what what is that where it's like you have this practice that is very calming and enriching and it's very human and and then you're also incorporating technology like what what has that process been like for you um i would say it starts with curiosity so i think uh the people i know i'm sure yourself included and 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 others who who are making stuff and creating their own work you know making original stuff and sharing it, not sharing it, whatever, but they're always, they're always making things. And there's another element of that, which is um, they're making things, but they are kind of bringing their own approach to it. It's, it's, it's like, there's a way to make things and you can do the prescribed thing, learn about it. But then once you've learned some basics, you kind of say, all right, I get that part. Now here's how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um when you have that kind of combination of personality traits of like the, the willingness to learn the basics, but then that also that excitement about taking those basics and putting your own spin on it, taking your personality and kind of like covering it with that, you know, Mm -hmm. what you get is usually something a a little different. Mm -hmm. So when I was nine years old, my dad was given at his office, he was a guidance counselor at a school, he was given an Apple IIe computer. This is a long time ago. This computer was in his office being unused. Several members of the faculty got these and they're like, here, we have these new computers. You can use them to do things. And my dad said, I'm perfectly fine not using it. So <laughs> what he did instead was he brought it home and it sat in our in our house and it was there for a couple of weeks. And then um, I just walked over. I remember just very, I remember this moment looking at the computer and there was a book that came with it about how to do some basic stuff. And this is literally just a black screen with green text, right? That's what you get when you turn it on, you know, and a little cursor saying, what do you, what do you want to do basically? But in the book, they had basic code and it said, here's how you can do a basic math problem. You can tell it to compute a math problem. Here's how it'll do it. I did that. Then I started realizing that, you know, based on some really simple stuff, you could write a story that was interactive. Hmm. And this was the beginnings of me discovering that I could do one of those sort of choose your own adventure sort of style things where I could get my brother. I could say, okay, come on in here. I spent another 10 minutes on this. He would sit there and I'd say, do you want to go north, south, east, west? If he went there, you know, eaten by a dragon, whatever. Um, and that was just me because of curiosity and because I love stories and fantasy or whatever. That's where I immediately started to go with this computer. It wasn't going to be the math thing. That was yeah. just me trying to understand how it worked, but I'm not a, I, math is not for me. Um, you know, Morgan, I'm, I'm good at three things. Okay. Math and drawing. <laughs> I like that. All right. So anyhow, <laughs> I, I decided um, to just do a little bit of that, but then what I discovered was, and this is in the, it was like somewhere very early in the book. It said, you can make drawings with, just by drawing X's next to each other in lines, right? And then build out a drawing. And I would sit there for an hour just to draw a simple picture of Garfield because 
I was drawing Garfield a lot, reading Garfield, I drawing Garfield. This. So I, with the X's and rows, would plot I it out. I completely forgot about Garfield. Yeah. So well, this moment. <laughs> you know, we're it's talking amazing. 1983, 84. So I would make these, uh, these, I guess now it's called ASCII art, right? Or ASCII. I yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then, so there you go. I like drawing. I liked the technology. It was exciting and new. I had the patience to do this. So that was that. But then a few years later, again, because of my my dad being in the guidance counseling office, there was a Mac, but a Mac, what were they called? Mac Classic, I think. This is like 1990. Yeah. And I was just starting a ninth grade and this was sitting in his office now. And I was, you know, always in the same school where my dad taught. So, at, I, you know, at lunch or sometimes, you know, after school for an hour, I just walk into his office and sit there and now I could do pixel art. So I would do tap, pixel, 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 right? And I don't know why there was something so fascinating to me about moving the medium from me drawing in my sketchbook to moving onto a screen. But I think it was just the, this control over a machine that I had that was kind of like, this is so different and new. Um, and then when Photoshop came along, I was the first, my first exposure to that was my last year of college. I just fell madly in love with this ability to work in layers and with infinite numbers of colors and to create shapes and move them around on the canvas yeah. it was so incredible um and i don't i don't know i don't know i can't explain you know sometimes you encounter something in your life where it really speaks to you and just gets you so excited that you can't stop doing it mm -hmm. um you know when i was in eighth grade i remember this i did not i was not allowed to play video games when i was a kid but i could if i went to someone else's house they had a video game machine the thing that i always noticed was they would put on various games with the the basic nintendo the old nintendo and i did not care one bit about the gameplay i always cared about the graphics because i was fascinated by what you could do with just some squares on a screen and some people mm -hmm. did it well and some game companies did it poorly so i liked mega man i liked um mario Brothers 3, Ninja Gaiden, these, these games that had good graphics. That's all I cared about was mm -hmm. staring at those pixels. So all this combined with me drawing wow. and everything makes sense, right? So finally, yeah, when I got out of school and working digitally as an artist was the way to go for commercial art because you could make changes. You could quickly adjust. You could work in different styles, et cetera, right? Yeah. Um, I was currently, I was working for a, a design firm as an illustrator and we had so many different clients needing so many different things in so many different styles. The fastest thing for me to do is open up Photoshop and do it with mm -hmm. different brushes that I started making. So this all just happened organically. And then when I had my own practice after that, I kept making those brushes to continue to work like a one-man studio, one-person studio for mm -hmm. people and change my style. If you look at my portfolio today, look at my website, it's a big mess. It's just a whole bunch of different kinds of work. That came from my being curious, from my being loving to experiment and loving to use the technology to my advantage. And, uh, and there you go. So I hope that answers the question. I know it's it a long really, answer. It really does. I'm so, and I'm grateful for the long answer because okay. that is something that I've been really trying to unpack in my own life. So I was born in 1990 and my introduction was uh, MS Paint. And oh yes, of course. But a yeah. very similar trajectory, which is fascinating to me. Because we had different entry points in different years and different ages and things, but I, but almost like I could swap out nouns and tell a very similar <laughs> version of that story because it was also, I, re, I mean, I remember as if I'm still sitting there, sitting at that 
computer and just being so fascinated that every color is here. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have to like go beg my parents to go buy me more colors. And that was my thing too. It, it was the color thing because I, I've always yeah. loved color and color is expensive. You know, yes. I was, I remember very specifically create when Crayola came out with this like expansion pack of <laughs> colors. And I remember wanting it, but it wasn't at the store and you had to like, you know, you couldn't just go online and buy it back then. And I was just devastated. Cause I was like, there's yeah. this box out there with infinite color, you know, in my kid brain that I don't get to see. I just see it in an, in the newspaper ad and that's it. So MS, <laughs> MS paint was like, they're all here, all yeah. the colors that I've been wanting. So yeah, it's very, I, I'm very interested in combining and, and ways that you can combine that practice. And, and I wanted to ask about all of that because I can sense that in Lines of Zen, oh. the app that you've created and launched. Like the moment I opened it, I was like, oh, yes. I was like, I knew Kyle got it because I've been using the brushes for years. But I was like, yeah, there's a connection here that goes beyond words, but it's so needed. And and yeah, so I would just love to hear about what led to this particular app, what led to Lines Zen. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, well, what happened was uh, Baron Fig, which is a publisher in New York, um, I connected with them about, I, I had wanted to make a book, which was a book of prompts for writers that was going to be illustrated. And I was going to create an illustration and then create a couple of lines. And I'm still working on this and hoping another publisher will consider it. But anyhow, I was pitching them this book idea and they said, you know, what about if we just do a book that has to do with drawing? Because, you know, that's what we know you for and that's what your audience knows you for. So I, I came back to it and thought, well, you know, what can I do to bring other people into that experience that I'm having with drawing or get them drawing, but with no pressure? That was kind of the idea. And so I came mm -hmm. up with this book idea called Trace. And um, Trace is a notebook that is a faintly printed drawings on about 70 pages, a little notebook um, that has this orange colored ink for the lines. It's, and these are stream of consciousness, orange line drawings. <laughs> Now, the point of the book is for anyone to randomly switch to a, flip to a page and then with a pen, just start tracing. And they can draw the whole drawing just as a complete exercise, just to do something with their hand and to enjoy that. Or they can draw part of it, modify it, add stuff to it or color it. Doesn't matter. It's just there as a starting point. So you're not looking at a blank page and the drawing just supposed to be kind of fun and weird and different. That's it. So that's still out there. This was, I don't know, 2019 or something. I can't remember. Um, and it, it continues to do fine and everything. But, but, but part of the thing that I did to promote it was go to bookstores and do meditative drawing sessions. I would come up with exercises and have everybody come together and we just do these. And I started to realize that um, as much as I liked the book and that was fine, this whole other thing I was doing, these meditative drawing workshops were really resonating with the people in the audience and they would come up afterwards and be like, I wish I had a book of this. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, making books is a lot of work. I'm not sure if I, and also <laughs> I have to get Baron Fig or someone else to say, yeah, we'll do that, Kyle. And yes. Yeah, you know how it is. Publishing is tricky mm -hmm. to navigate. <laughs> um, 
So instead I, I came back and I was like thinking about it. I said, all right, here's what I'll do. I'll do online workshops first. So I would host these on free online workshops with meditative drawing and see if it was still resonating. And yeah, still good. So I started to really develop those exercises so that they could be done in a shorter amount of time. The idea was to have exercises that took no more than five or six minutes to complete at the most. Mm -hmm. You could always expand them, but if you wanted to start and finish, you could. Once I had those, I connected with my, my buddy, Dennis, who Dennis and I have been working together on apps since 2009. We've never oh. once met each other. He lives in Ireland. Um, and I consider him a good friend. I just, we've never seen each other in person, but it's so cool. And I just said to him, hey, I have this idea for this app where people of all skill levels, either zero or pro, <laughs> could take the, this, this, these exercises and benefit the way I benefited from just the act of drawing, like we talked about earlier, um, through doing these exercises, these short exercises. And so he's like, cool, how do we do it? So I said, well, it's a just, what if it's just a video and I talk you through it and every exercise is a video with me talking you through it. You grab a piece of paper and follow along. Simple. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, let's do it. And so it took us about a year and a half, two years of, of good steady work to really get it to where we needed it to be. Yeah. And now there it is. There you yes, go. Yes. And there <laughs> it is. And I, I love it. And I, I don't say that lightly, but I, Thank you. when I, when I opened it, it it really took me to a place from oh there are different different things but i think one of the first things that i just noticed was how much pressure i didn't feel because now i mean i love making art but it took me a long time to get confidence to approach adobe fresco and just like mindlessly get to work like I don't have to think about it anymore I can I can just open it up start making something you know because I've been using it for well before it was Adobe uh, Adobe Sketch and then you know Fresco right, but right. I've been working making art on my iPad for five six years now but that that took me back to that feeling of being a little kid of sitting at the computer and just feeling like oh I'm just here to explore like I'm just oh, here to because it does sometimes get harder when something for me, at least when something becomes my job, like I'm now, like now when I'm getting in fresco, you know, I'm doing collaborations and stuff. So I'm having to think, I'm like, all right, how many layers for this do I need? Okay. What, <laughs> what are the dimensions? Let me make sure I factor that in. And I've, you know, did they send me, okay, let me make sure these colors are right. There's so much I have to factor in, but that just took me back to like, oh, this feels like sitting at the computer <laughs> back yeah. in the nineties. And and it's, it's in a way that is just a different experience than a lot of other screen time moments. So, yes. you know, I find that, I find that to be so fascinating. And you, know, you said something in, on your, in your sub stack that I just thought was so fascinating. And I'm just kind of pulling the quote and <laughs> from, from what you said, but you shared something about how there's a lot that's been written about the value of your time. And yes. even though time is limited, it has great value, but you must also consider the value of your creative mojo. It too is far from limitless. I just love that. <laughs> I love that because I think that technology at times, like it becomes so much about efficiency. It's like we spend, you know, email, like there's so many things that it's just like, okay, I use this to do faster. Like 
it is faster to keep up a calendar on your phone than it is, you know, on the desk. There's so many reasons why it's like, oh, this is faster, faster, faster. But this is like, or (laughs) we can view this in a completely different way. So I don't know if you had anything you want to add to that, but I just thought that was fascinating. (laughs) No, I had that epiphany like uh, years ago where I was like, gosh, oh yeah, time is money, money's time, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, why am I not able to come up with ideas for this editorial job? Yeah. And the reason was because it was four o'clock and all day I had already been doing other things and creating and making, and then also doing the other stuff, the email and Mm -hmm. the, the, the slog Mm -hmm. that is, you know, slogging through the stuff that you have to do. You Mm -hmm. have no choice. By the Mm -hmm. time I was getting to trying to, to come up with ideas, creative ideas for a sketch for the client, I was out of any, the creative stuff wasn't going to come. Yeah. So I either had to do it first thing in the morning or, but our hat or, you know, but, but the point is like, they, that is not a, you don't have unlimited reserves of creativity mm-hmm. and creative energy. And um, uh, the, so that was why I wrote about it. Uh, you know, and, and again, that was all, everything I learned is by accident. That's why that newsletter is the accidental expert yes. because I am, it's all just, Oh, whoops. <laughs> I figured something out. <laughs> so little of anything in my life is, um, well, let me come up with this very, very crafty and long plan yes. for how I'm going to go from point A to point B. <laughs> I can relate. I can yeah. relate. I, I'm often like, I don't know how I got here. I think I know. There's like the story that I tell, but then I'm just like, is that it? Like, what's, how, how did that happen? But yeah, it's, it's, that's very, that's a very good insight. And I think that could be very helpful, especially for somebody who might be struggling to feel like, am I making the best use of my time? Because yeah. like I, I was just reading yesterday of just like about the history of clocks and it's just oh, so cool. fascinating where it's just like, yeah, we haven't always had that. Like, <laughs> it's like, we, we just take it. It's like, oh yeah. You know, just looking at the times, like actually humans weren't always so focused on every minute of the day. And there's a bunch of reasons why, but it just makes me think about how, how I, I felt like that was just such an important statement really stood out to me because I do think that like, even when it comes to the app, like that, I wasn't thinking about time. Like when I first opened, oh, when I first opened and I saw, I was like, oh, let me get some paper. And I was like, I wasn't <laughs> thinking, I didn't think about time. And I wonder if that is, if that is maybe a part of the calming meditative component of it, it's, oh yeah, it's like, how can we help ourselves forget about time for, for a few minutes, ironically? <laughs> for sure. I, it, actually, well, so a couple things here. One, me saying, oh, you can do these in just five minutes. I mean, to be perfectly frank, this is just a selling point. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get people to start and try it. And yeah, nobody has yeah. time for anything, or at least they don't feel, yeah. feel that they do. Mm-hmm. So if I don't say that out loud, people are going to be immediately like, well, I have to reject that because I don't have time. Mm-hmm. But once you're doing it, the whole point is not to think about that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully what happens is if you start, you will draw an exercise, you'll understand how to do it. And then you repeat it right mm-hmm. immediately afterwards, just do it yeah. again, or you'll move on to another one and try that. And if you spend 10 or 15 minutes or even 20 minutes or even depending on how you're feeling, 30 minutes to an hour, just doing meditative drawing exercises. And again, you said no pressure. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Then you're. this is a good use of your time if it makes you feel good and you feel healthy and you feel energized by it. And 
you even feel, you know, creative doing it. Um, so I think that's so, so valuable. But the, uh, there's another thing you said, Morgan, screen time. Yes. That's the other thing. You said this doesn't feel like screen time. You said that and it was music to my ears. So important because mm-hmm. the only way for me to deliver this experience at the moment is on a screen. Yes. But I do not want it to feel like you are having yeah. a screen time. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it does feel that way. And that just made me think about something. So on the iPad, it has that thing where it'll show you your screen time for, for oh, a yeah. week and it pops up. And I think about this so funny for you know digital artists because it's like that that has two different meanings because on my iPad, when I see, oh, your screen time was up 50% this week. I was like, oh, that means I I was drawing 50% right. <laughs> more than I normally do. So it's it's fascinating because it's like that that obviously being on a screen, that's a whole thing. Like, <laughs> but right. it's like it's multidimensional. It's it's not. Maybe it's not always just like this black and white, like no screen time versus no, you know, screen time. That's something that I, I feel like making art and and doing artistic things on a screen, it helps me kind of mediate that because it's like yeah. if and this is some this is where you know I, I'm a parent of a toddler and this is somewhere where I where I probably divide from other parent from every parent out there but i i got my my son like using making digital art he loves it pixels are his favorite thing which is the funniest thing because it's like now all this stuff is available but he literally says i want to do pixels like he loves pixels so (laughs) i will (laughs) so i will open up adobe fresco and i will show him like how to map you know how to find the pixels and how to identify them the colors and the movement and move between colors and what i find to be so so helpful and i do think i got this as a kid with that ms paint was that of course we don't want to spend all day looking at the screen but i do think it's important to have alternatives on the screen other yes. than just like mindlessly scrolling. And that's yes. one thing I, I hope to, to show him because I feel like I got that. I feel like, you know, MSP, I didn't have, you know, there's no Facebook, there was no Instagram when I was right. doing that. It was yeah. just, it was a screen. It was a computer, but I was being creative and it helped me as a little undiagnosed autistic kid. I didn't know I was autistic at the time. And it helped me. And it was on a screen yeah. because I couldn't afford the Crayola pack with a hundred crayons. I, it I, was. I couldn't afford that uh, Caron Dash 128 colored pencils thing. I had yes. the 12 set. They're so those, expensive. They were so buttery and so, that color was so rich. But yes. was it. that was already like $24 or something. Exactly. Like, I get you. I feel it. I, and yes, screen time can be so much. And I think it's awesome that your son is drawing my favorite photo in the world of that for Fresco, we have a photo that was passed around the office of a five-year-old girl at a conference I went to. We were demoing yeah. Fresco. The five-year-old girl wearing her full unicorn p- costume, the costume <laughs> and the and the the whole thing with the hood and the and the horn, sitting there using multicolor brushes and painting rainbow stuff in Fresco. And the best part is, all we said was, "Here are your brushes." go. Wow. And what? that's the point of that app. The app can be, uh, wow. I'm a professional. I made, I've made full color books in Fresco from start to finish as a professional artist, but to mm-hmm. have like a five-year-old or you said you have a toddler. So I'm saying like maybe two yeah. years old say mm-hmm. here, draw with this. Here's where the mm-hmm. colors are. Here's the brush go. 
and have them be able to be creative and make something to have that range is amazing. And that, that, that really speaks yeah. to, I think, um, some good work there by the people on the team with whom I work. And I want to shout out. Yeah. Great job, folks. Yeah, of course. Yes. And it, and it's, yeah. and it's interesting too, cause it's not either or like we spend just as much time with markers and, and crayons yes. and stuff yes. like, and, and it's just interesting watching him. He's, he's three, almost four. And it's interesting watching him go back and forth between the two and, and, and I do talk about it a lot. I'm like, okay, now we're using the screen. Now we're using paper because I'm like, I don't, I don't want him to only think of like the screen as like, oh, that's like this bad internet thing that's happened. It's like, chances are they're probably going to be there. <laughs> like it's they're medium. probably not going to go away. So I was like, how can we find a, a balance with all of that? So, yeah. yeah. Don't you think it's, I mean, it, the way you and I use it and everyone else, it's, it's mm-hmm. just another medium. Yeah, exactly. I can do painting digitally or I can grab paint. I'm still yeah. making marks and drawing and being creative. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just another channel for that to come out of you and be presented yes. and, and exist. And, and it's so cool that that's possible. Anyway, and you know, when you were talking about yeah. like other apps and stuff, we're very strict with our kids about anything having to do with, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, no social media, no this, no wasting time, but stop motion studio, Morgan, have you oh, seen yes, that? Yes, yes, we do that too. We do that. <laughs> so awesome, right? <laughs> It is okay. I have to admit, it's a little bit hard for me because I I get so into it and I have to like back off because I'm like, let me not become that parent who's like trying the to art direct parent. it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like I'm like, well, I wanted the dominoes to go across the table. So so I have to, it's it's definitely a character building exercise for me. I but no, that. it is. Oh, I, I'm so fascinated. Like, what is your, yeah, what has y'all's experience been like with working with the stop motion? Oh, so that was started really young and they made each of them dozens of movies, including each of them made a full like five minute stop motion movie for Christmas time. Like, what is this? This was right at the start of the pandemic. You know, we were, we were all do- doing stuff at home, the homeschooling mm-hmm. and everything. And they weren't allowed to go to, it was, we had actually those years for our family specifically were really, really close and really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Everyone's different, different resources, different situations. We got really fortunate. We had what we needed at home. And we as a family were like coming up with all kinds of creative things to do to fill the day mm-hmm. because school was only, I think they only had like four to five hours of actual class time, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. And, you know, it was, it was, it was inc- incredible. But a stop motion studio became this cool outlet for creativity, for art and combining it with, with frescoes so of being able to, to draw and then bring some uh, drawings as images in. Mm-hmm. My son was doing like stop motion animation stuff, but with pictures that he drew in wow. Fresco before Fresco had animation features. Wow. So it was That's like that amazing. combined. Yeah. So it was all creative and all wonderful. And I think it's an amazing app and it's so intuitive. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, good screen time, so to speak. So, yes. Well, I am so excited about other people finding out about your new app because Thank you. I've really been enjoying it. It's helped me so much. And I would just love to know, this is kind of like a selfish question, but do you have a favorite brush or a favorite pack that you've created? So um, that's a great, that is such an impossible question to answer. I've made over 2000 brushes Every time I sit down to make new brushes, I think, well, that's it. I'm tapped out. I got nothing else. There's nothing in my brain. And suddenly I'll come down. I'll just come to like one mark I'll make and be like, oh, wait a second. What if I, and then boom, I'm off to the races. And so a lot of times the brushes I'm excited about are some of the ones I've just made recently. A lot of people feel this way about anything they make, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
there are brushes that I go back to frequently. So uh, there is um, a pencil I made for for Warner Brothers, actually, for a, an animation project they were doing a year ago. And it's in the, I think, uh, Winter 2022 brush set. And it's a Tilty pencil, it's called. Um, and then it just acts like a real pencil. That's why I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like sketching and I like drawing with pencils. So that just feels like I'm doing that. And honestly, in Fresco, the new pencils I made, I don't know if you've tried oh, them. Oh, um, Yes. Yes. Those, those I'm so Thank proud. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please be very proud of them. I I think I whatever was on my plan for that day, I lo- like four hours were just gone because I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, I I gotta start all over. Like I I need to incorporate all of these. Yeah, I was writing with them. Love and love, love, love those. Thank you. God, well, I, I I appreciate that because my I saw again very selfishly. I just have to say my favorite in terms of my go-to is so specific it's in the mega pack yeah the terp scrub oh i love that brush thank you very proud of that game changer i it has been i have consistently used that every day for years like it is my go-to brush like and it's so funny because i i i'll have you say oh your signature i'm like is it it's not i don't even like i can say it's my signature style it is I was like it's kyle's brush <laughs> no it's you using it so you're the one making it look cool <laughs> Well, that brush. So I have to just tell you this before we go, because I I could talk all all about this, but it it all connects. It all connects with from technology. It all connects. So when I was a kid, I I too was a kid with with parents who were very cautious about the video game thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't grow up with a lot of consoles. And well, I didn't grow up with any console. But somehow I was able to convince my parents like, to get a Game Boy Color. I don't know how that oh, happened, but yes. somehow my sister and I, we pulled that off. We were like, nice. I don't know what we did to sell them on the idea, but <laughs> somehow we got that. And I got the Atomic Purple Game Boy Color. Oh, cool. And yes, I remember this. Get, try not to get emotional about this. <laughs> but that was this translucent. So if anyone listening doesn't know what that is, it was this translucent uh, portable gaming console. So you could see the inside of beyond the color. So it's purple and you could see through it. When I first used that Terp scrub brush, for me, it felt like I was in Kmart getting my Game Boy Color again. Wow. Because it felt like this is what I love. I love color and I love being able to see through. I love color, but I love seeing the wiring too. And that's what making on the iPad, that's what technology and art is for me. It's I get to be creative and be with color, but I also get to see the inner workings of it too. So it was just like such a... So even now when I'm painting with Herp Scrub, I intentionally will, sometimes I'll put more like dry textures beneath it and then I'll come on top of it with that. Cause for me, it's yes. that same, that same thing of bringing that all together. So I totally little- get what you're saying. I get it <laughs> at that translucency and the whole, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, yes. I'm going to send you a couple more brush ideas that are, oh, that please. have a fib- similar feel. The, there's a couple in the Keith Herring brush set. There are a few that I'll send you because I, I know exactly okay. what you're re- responding to with that brush. Yes. Well, yeah. to everyone listening, that was totally me just being very selfish right now. <laughs> but I've been holding that in for a long time. But yes, I would say like, you know, just like the final, final question that, you know, I would like to ask is, 
is, and it's kind of a cliche one, but just, you know, what, what encouragement or, or, you know, inspiration would you give to somebody who just feels really stuck right now and just overwhelmed and trying to like find out how to get to that creative curiosity for the first time or return to it? Great question. So a couple of things. I was just talking to somebody earlier about this today. I did a, a portfolio review for, for somebody in Iceland. It was really cool. Um, where basically I said to her, you know, if you could only draw three things for the rest of your life, what would they be? And really be serious with it in answering that question. Now, what I was trying to get her to do was go inside herself and think about what she loves and then what she loves to make. Like what's the combination of the things that excite you, but also what you can do with your skill, with your abilities, with your interests, but with, with regards to art and mark making, whatever. So what are the three things? Just to get your brain going on the things that really make you come alive. Okay, now, second step, imagine that those things that you're making with that passion, with that excitement, already exist out in the world. They are real, they are, you've made them already. How are they out there? What are they doing? Are they a product? Are they, um, are they a book? Are they maybe just a Patreon where you're creating and people are just along for the ride watching you make that stuff? Um, but whatever that is, is it a film? Who knows? Imagine that it's real and you've already gone through that whole process of making it. Now, if you can sort of see that and envision that, then you're already getting excited about the potential, about the possibilities, and you've narrowed your focus on what it is that really gets you going. The woman I talked to today, she was making concept art for the last decade, and she was miserable. All she wanted to do was draw her own characters and tell stories with them. And so it was like, well, what would that look like out there in the world, these characters that you envision, that you imagine? And if, if that's what you want to do, can you pour more energy into that and make it, make it a reality? So just being able to, Morgan, just being able to visualize mm-hmm. that it's already happened is, I think, a really powerful thing that can drive you to actually get on that path. Oh, that's so true. It's so good. And I, I absolutely agree with that. I feel like I've been learning that all over again because I've I have been having this like kind of vision and idea of doing film. So when you said that, that was very, I was like, and, and it actually, and just for full transparency, like it takes so hard, like to even start over and allow myself to dream about that and be curious. Cause I'm like, but can I, am I allowed to, am I allowed to dream about it? And it's, it's like, oh, we are, we are, we're allowed to kind of like have conversations with the medium, like you said, like with the marks, like you were allowed to say, oh, what do you look like in the world? I really like that. That is such a good practical thing to yeah. to carry carry with us today. So thank and, and Morgan, you. I'm yeah. sorry, if I could just oh, add no, one, I'm please. sorry, just a quick follow-up on that. If you try these things and you don't succeed the first time, this is not the end. Mm-hmm. I tried three times to, to sell my brush business to Adobe three times on the first time when they said, no, I could have said, okay, well, that was a stupid idea. Totally unrealistic. Who am I to approach a global corporation with my little business? But I just kept getting more customers, building it, doing different things, trying new things, trying new, different ways to get in and tra- have that conversation. Second time, a little closer rejection. 
it took it took um three 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 years from me first asking and even bringing that idea up to where it actually happened. So just just want to throw that out there that it's okay to to stop and get blocked in, in some way. You yes. just keep pushing, and it does not in any way mean that's the end. Don't think that, please. It, people, the rejection is always part of the process. It absolutely is. And wow, am I so grateful that you went back and, and, <laughs> and, and that that wasn't the end because that I think that just shows like, yeah, this is this has ripple effects. Like us being us being open to being curious and tr- trying again and coming back again and again and again. It's not even like this insular thing because what ultimately ended up happening helps so many creatives, myself included. So I think that's a really, that could be a really encouraging thing to, and that's something that I try to remember when I start doubting myself again with my whole film idea. It's like, even if all I do is make something that helps another person say, wait, maybe I can make a film too. Maybe their film will be better than mine. And maybe mine's was the point of like, just inspiring that person to do something and it's all intertwined and working together. So I just, that's very encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad. I mean, just think of it like the first pancake sometimes, whatever you make, you know, the first yes. pancake. Yeah. Keep making pancakes. Exactly. The last ones are going to be nice and fluffy. And yes. Oh, golden. Absolutely. And lovely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's funny you say that. It's actually in our house right now. One of the favorite games is a pancake game. So that's, <laughs> that's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> and before we go, I did ask Kyle to share a little bit more about his app, Lines of Zip. Yeah, the thing, the last thing I'd say about the app, about about Lines of Zen, is that it's for everybody, all ages, all skill levels, and there's no judgment, and you're not there to try and make a, a masterpiece. You're there to make some lines, and I guarantee, if you try it, you will notice a difference in how you feel after you've done one of the exercises. Take a notice of how you feel before, and then take notice of how you feel afterwards. Your heart rate will drop, you'll feel calmer, And that's just the whole point of it. It's healthy. Yes. Well, as someone who had that experience, I can absolutely agree because I love it. So thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much, Morgan. I'm just really delighted we got to talk to each other. Finally, this is so great. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And there is a link in the show notes if you would like to try out Lines of Zen. You can type in my name, Morgan Harper Nichols, for a free month. Or you can click the link in the show notes. And finally, 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 I would like to leave you with a question. You can either journal about this or just carry it with you throughout the day. Where in your life today can you give yourself permission to try again? Where in your life today can you give yourself permission to try again? Thanks again for listening. I'm Morgan Harper Nichols.